following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Hello and welcome to Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined by a special guest today in place of Tyler Palmatier. We have Sumner County Sports Editor Zach Womble filling in. Zach, I appreciate you being here. Yeah, man, absolutely. Happy to, to jump in and uh, lend a helping hand while Tyler is kind of off on assignment doing uh, doing what he's doing. No problem. Thanks for asking me. So we are going to spend today wrapping up football season. We are going to talk to Oakland head coach Kevin Creasy after his team won its third straight Class 6A title. That's something that's never been done before in the state of Tennessee. Really impressive year from them. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about what's next, too, for this show and for our coverage moving forward. Before we do all that, though, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Let's welcome in Kevin now. Riding high off Saturday's win over Beach, uh, like I said, the third straight Class 6A title for the Patriots. Kevin, congratulations on on yet another uh, big win for you guys. Guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So, Kevin, I know every championship team or really any team that has a good season, there's always some defining characteristics. There, there's something about the team that, that, you, that you really remember and as special and you know, with this team compared to the other three title teams that you've had at Oakland, what what about this team was special, and what are you going to remember most about them? Yeah, uh, you know, I'd probably say that there's not really a lot of superstars on this this team. You know, we had some uh, really household names on the last two teams that we had that, that won state championships and, you know, some big-time D1 players. And uh, on this team, we've got really good players, and it's just uh, – you know, they're good high school players. Hopefully they can go on to college. But uh, it wasn't really a superstar that stood out. You know, it was just kind of a team effort, a collective effort. And uh, a lot of these guys have been playing together since I moved here, and they were youth football players. I knew them from back in the day playing youth football for the Oakland uh, Pee Wee Bunch. And, and they went to middle school. And, you know, just a good group of guys that have been with us for a long time. And, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of the success they got. They've worked hard to get here. And, and like I said, we've uh, had some, you know, struggles early on, had a, one of our best players, Eric Taylor, hurt and had shoulder surgery. And when he came back, we were a whole lot better football team. Kevin, uh, you know, you guys were leading 14-6 to six after halftime in the third quarter, but Beach had the opportunity to kind of double dip you guys, if you will, opportunity to get back into the football game uh but as you know you guys ran away with it i guess from your point of view what allowed you guys to open up such a big lead in that third quarter yeah you know uh, i think the whole game changed on a fourth down stop uh you know they went for it on fourth down and uh you know i thought it was going to be interesting because of the two-point conversion that, that was going to have to take place so they're inside our 10-yard line and our defense comes up big and uh, you know, had some penetration come through and at least slow them down and then uh, stop them just a few inches short of a first down. And uh, the very next play, Eric Taylor goes about 70 yards and gets in their red zone. So, uh, you know, in two plays, the whole dynamic of the game changed. And, uh, you know, Beach helped us out a little bit with, a you know, a, a, a punt that, 
that kind of went awry. You know, we were about to block a punt, and uh, so we got in good territory there. And then, of course, uh, they had a bad snap uh, the very next series. So they had a couple things really go bad uh, right there in a row. Uh, but credit our defense for, you know, putting them in those positions and uh, making them have to punt and, and, like I said, stopping them on that fourth down. Uh, like I said, the whole game changed uh, because I think we had, you know, uh, four straight scores, uh, you know, right after halftime. So uh, the whole game changed right there on that fourth down stop. Kevin, you mentioned at the top that this championship team did it with less heralded names. Of course, there was no Jordan James, no Isaiah Horton, no Antonio Patterson. Those guys are all off playing college football now after helping you guys win the back-to-back titles the previous two seasons. But I guess I'm curious, how were you guys able to make up for all that lost production with these less heralded names and still come out with the same result? You know, I just think, uh, you know, going way back before – you know, Jordan James and those guys arrived. I think, uh, you know, there's been a standard, a high standard. And, uh, you know, the senior class that we have this year uh, didn't want to let down uh, that standard, you know, and been here eight years and we've been, you know, into the fourth round of the playoffs every year. So, you know, at least wanted to make it to Thanksgiving and, and we did. And, uh, you know, kept our home win streak alive by, by beating Maryville in round four and, so, uh, you know, I think uh, there's just a high standard uh, and a lot of pressure on those guys to, to hold up their end of the bargain. And so our senior class did that. And, you know, like I said, I'm proud of them. They're a good group to, to go to, to battle with and, uh, you know, a good group to practice with every day. They, they definitely are, are football junkies, you know, and they put in the time and uh, put in the effort. So they deserve it. And, uh we're real happy, uh, real happy with the results. You know, three peats hard to do. Uh, we saw it last year; it was hard. We had a lot of struggles last year, just trying to go back to back. And uh, there's a reason nobody's ever done it before because it's so so hard to do. Kevin, I, I think I think we both I think we all can agree that you know Anthony Crabtree is very precise in, in his message, and I think there was a reason behind his kind of. Uh, I guess, exuberant answer on, on the coach's call earlier in the week. Um, but I, I'm sure your team probably heard those comments, read those comments. I, I guess, how would you categorize their week of practice leading up to, to that game and just not listening to the noise? And do you think it's partly because of the the previous team's success that, that they had that it rubbed off on them? Yeah, you know, uh, I've told them that I knew Coach Crafter for a long time and you know, uh, at the end of the day, he's going to have his team ready to play and they're going to compete. And it's going to be when they remind me a lot of our team, you know, good defense, uh, really good on special teams. And I love running the ball on offense. So that's usually a pretty good formula for uh, success, especially, you know, the deeper you go in the playoffs and the colder the weather gets, stuff like that. But uh, we knew it was going to be a tough matchup. And anybody that scores 50 points in the fourth round of the playoffs, better get your attention and I think it did and and I can't lie now I'm telling you we had the best week of practice we've had in years so uh you know definitely got a lot of respect for uh Beach and uh their players I mean they've got uh one running back that averages 10 yards of carry and then they give it to their other running back who averages 12 yards of carry so you know we didn't have anybody near a thousand yards they had two guys over a thousand yards uh, you know, so uh, it's pretty easy to, to get our attention whenever you're scoring 50 points in the fourth round of the playoffs. 
Eric Taylor was singled out earlier as, you know, being an absolute game changer for you guys, uh, both on offense and defense when he returned from that injury. And of course, in the title game, he delivered an MVP performance with 175 rushing yards and four touchdowns. What can you say about Eric and, and how he helps you guys down the stretch run and also during the playoffs? Yeah, Eric's uh, you know a talented guy, really, really good with the ball in his hands. But uh, he was no value to us on defense uh, the last couple of years. You know, uh, he started for us as a sophomore on defense. Uh, he comes in at a whopping five nine hundred and seventy five pounds and so uh he's not getting a million looks uh you know by these college coaches which is unfortunate because he's the best player on the field uh by by far and he was the best player on the field a couple times last year but you know we couldn't afford to get him hurt by having him run the ball uh a lot and and so uh after his shoulder surgery uh you know we slowly put him back in the mix and uh you know, the deeper we got in the playoffs, the more he got the ball and the more productive he was. Kevin, let's talk about this defense in, in general. You give up just 13 points per game with your new defensive coordinator, Jeff Kent, including what I thought taking out Beach's X-Factor in Saturday's championship game, Caden Teeman. I believe he had minus 23 rushing yards. I guess what made that defense, that group, so difficult to crack this this year? Yeah, you know, Coach Kent comes uh, – you know, from good football down in South Georgia and, uh, you know, brought some uh, new ideas and new schemes and, and things like that. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think it's all about buying in. And I think our guys bought into what he was selling and uh, definitely uh, had an aggressive nature uh, to his philosophy. And, uh, you know, we had a couple senior linebackers that were well over 100 tackles apiece, uh, which is almost unheard of. Bourne's one of the top uh, 10 tacklers in the entire nation. You know, Nathan Hepborn had a great senior year, uh, you know, led our defense and uh, was kind of like a coach on the field, to tell you the truth. Uh, so we had a lot of guys that bought in, and, and, and there are certain roles that certain people had. You know, a lot of times our D-line, uh, you know, had to take up blockers, uh, especially against uh, Beach and Crab, Coach Crabtree and uh, we had some D linemen that didn't have a lot of tackles, but they were taking uh, taking up double teams and, and freeing guys uh, like Eric Taylor and Nathan Hepborn uh, to make you know to make a lot of tackles. And Kevin, let's look forward a little bit now. Uh, the new classification cycle starts up next year. That means not a new non-region games. And I know a lot of the top teams, yours included, has struggled to find those non-region opponents the last few years. Uh, you know. Teams don't always want to want to take a loss in the non-region. Some teams are looking for for easier games. Uh, I'm curious, have you guys been able to fi- finalize any of your f- uh, five non-region opponents for the next couple of seasons? Uh, we we picked up uh, a couple. Yeah, we have Ravenwood and Independence uh, that have already you know signed a contract and and want to play a home and away game and stuff like that. So. Uh, we've gotten a couple of them uh, still working to fill the schedule. I was uh, talking to a coach out of Tupelo, Mississippi today. So, uh, you know, we're going to have a hard time. Uh, coach Crabtree is going to have a hard time. You know, we've even talked about hollering at each other if if neither one of us can find games and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, the time and they, they release it, you know, I don't know why they release it during the playoffs. Uh, when, you know, I think people could 
probably wait till the championship games and we could still figure out a way to, you know, maybe fill our schedules, but we're having a hard time uh, because, you know, you're trying to prepare for a playoff opponent, a playoff run, and, and you, you know, you don't really have time to be making a lot of phone calls, asking people to play you. Uh, so now I'm making phone calls and, and uh, a lot of people are already full and, uh, you know, may have to go out of state, at, uh, you know, like we did last year, you know, uh, may have to go out of state and uh, play somebody. But, you know, we try to find, you know, difficult opponents uh, that make us better. And, and uh, because, you know, because of our difficult schedule, when we do find ourselves in a hard spot in the playoffs, we know that we've been there before in the regular season and, and we've uh, been able to, you know, learn from some of those tough games. And, and uh, like I said, we'll probably have a pretty tough schedule next year. Kevin, two of your quarterbacks graduate this year, Cade Hewitt, Max Levinsky. Um, can we expect your son, Kyler, to be in the mix, the next starter next year? Is he going to have to earn it? Kind of what's your quarterback situation going into 2023? Yeah, that's kind of what it's looking like. Uh, you know, uh, Kyler's probably the next man up. And uh, to tell you the truth, you know, we've got some uh, young guys. Uh, we got a freshman that we are really high on. Uh, he's one of three triplets. Uh uh, his sister, I saw her play powder puff. She was uh, actually uh, might be the most athletic in the family. I don't know if I can get her out for football, but uh, Patrick Friedman <laughs> is uh, is is her brother, and and he's uh, he's really good. Led our freshman to an uh, undefeated season. Kyler led our JV team to an undefeated season. So uh, Kyler and Patrick will be battling it out, but. Uh, you know, Kyler's pretty much uh, got the playbook in his head right now. Uh, he's just got to be able to, to execute it on a high level. And uh, like I said, it should be interesting uh, sitting around the dinner table uh, after, a, after a practice or two. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun to see how all that shakes out, Kevin. And congratulations once again on a successful season and another state championship. And we appreciate you taking some time for us today. Thanks, guys, for having me on. We appreciate you. Absolutely. That has been Oakland football coach Kevin Creasy. Another dominant run from them. 14-1 and one is the record. The lone blemish, a loss to CPA in the non-region in early October. But other than that, a great year for them. So we are going to take a quick break right now and then come back with uh, some uh, Blue Cross Bowl recaps and then later on some highlights from the 2022 season. Drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. the Blue Cross Bowls are in the books, meaning high school football season in Tennessee is officially over. It's always bittersweet, Zach, to get to this point in the year. And, uh, you know, we had quite a few mid-state teams down there in Chattanooga, 11 to be exact. And um, unfortunately for the area, only three came home with wins. Lipscomb Academy in Division II AA, Friendship Christian in Division II Single A, and Oakland, of course, in Class 6A. All of them played mid-state teams in their final matchups. 
you know, you hate to just measure a successful season for the area by how many championships are won because there's plenty of teams that didn't win championships that had great seasons. But that's kind of where we're at, Zach. There was there was just the three, and uh, the other, you know, East and West Tennessee took home the rest of them. Yeah, I still think there's something to be said though for for just getting there in high school. Maybe maybe if you want to argue that that championships only matter in you know professional sports, that you know that, that's one thing. But I think at this level, especially, I mean, you, I don't think you can take away any of the runs that especially the Metro Nashville Public Schools had, East Nashville, Pearl Cone, to be exact. To be exact, I mean, I just think getting there, coming home with either gold or silver. Obviously, you want gold, but. Silver is not a bad consolation prize. And, uh, you know, some of those matchups were really, really good, really tough. East Nashville going against Alcoa. I mean, eight straight gold balls for them. That's that's unprecedented. Um, Alcoa gave Anderson County all that they wanted in, in their game. So um, I, I don't know that we can we can measure uh, the success of a team if they brought home a gold football or not. I think a lot of teams bringing home silver, a lot to be proud of. Obviously, they're disappointed, but – uh, I think from an outsider's point of view, a great, great season for sure. Yeah, when you think about disappointment, I think uh, one of the first teams that comes to mind is obviously Montgomery Bell Academy. They were undefeated yeah. heading into their championship game and really just lost a heartbreaker there to yeah. Baylor 30, 38 to 34. Uh, you mentioned it too, a couple Metro teams came painfully close to a title. It's been since 2008 when Hillsborough beat Maryville. That was the last time a Metro team won a state championship yeah. and you really thought between East and Pearl both being there and both being in these tight competitive games that somebody had pulled out, but wasn't meant to be. Um, Pearl Cone even had a halftime lead over Anderson County and just could not quite get it done. I will say though, if we're looking for silver linings, that Firebird team, man, they are, they're going to enter next year, I think is a, is a pretty heavy favorite because the junior class they have is just loaded with talent on offense and defense. Uh, when you look at the offensive side, you've got Keyshawn Tarleton at quarterback, Malachi Cromwell running back, and then Darius Reed, who had a fantastic championship game at wide receiver. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, there's Jock Williams, Grayson, Grayson Beach, uh, Zion Simpson. All these guys are going to be back next year, and I think that's going to make Pearl Cone just a, a force to be reckoned with. So some, some positivity there for them. Um, also, to start the week, we got the bombshell news that Trent Hilfer <laughs> was leaving for UAB less than 48 hours uh, before Lipscomb Academy showdown with CPA, he still coached the game, and of course they rolled to a forty-two to nothing win. But Zach, what did you make of that news and the and the timing of it and everything? It was just just kind of a crazy week there for Lipscomb Academy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that that he's moving on. That Dilfer is moving on. But I always felt like his his talents and just kind of his old demeanor was destined for something bigger than high school ball. Um, so, but but the timing of it, I think, is interesting, and, and you know we're in this business where we're not supposed to wait on anything. And so, you know, could someone maybe have had a conversation 24 hours later, 48 hours later, maybe, but you know, how fast does college football move at the end of the day? And if it was one of those things where, you know, you have to, you have to give an answer by X amount of time, then then it was only a matter of time before sources found out. And then of course their job is to push it out as soon as they can. But, you know, the timing of it all wasn't great, but what about their response? What about the team's response, Russell? I mean, Everybody was kind of taking shots at not maybe not them, but Dilfer leading up to it and just kind of everything around it. And their response was maybe the I mean, I obviously didn't watch them every game, but that game that they played on Thursday looked to be picture perfect. I mean, I I don't know what your opinion is on that, but their response as a team is what really stood out about that entire 72 hour kind of window of 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 opportunity, I guess you, you would say. Yeah, I mean, they essentially gave CPA no chance in a forty-two to nothing win, and 
I, they had every reason to be distracted, but it didn't seem like from the jump that that was going to be a problem at all. And they played really probably the, one of their most complete performances of the year against you know a really good team. CPA in any other year is going to be the state champion. I mean, they went to Lausanne and won. They yeah. went to Chattanooga Christian and won. And uh, really were, were the second strongest team, I thought, in that classification by, by a pretty good margin there. So uh, for Lipscomb to do that was impressive. And then you know, Trent Dilfer going to UAB uh, obviously opens up a lot of opportunities, I think, for Nashville guys, especially Lipscomb yeah. players. And, uh, you know, Hank Brown, shortly after the game, decommitted from Liberty and picked up an offer from UAB. Uh, I know Brian Longwell, Junior Cheryl, Nate Spillman all picked up scholarship offers as well as a bunch of their seniors, too, got preferred walk-on spots. So really neat for them to get that opportunity. Maybe not all of them would have been um fbs guys but you know if you can go fill out a back end of the roster with your former coach that you've already got a connection with i think that's that's a great opportunity for you and then as expected dilfer is also recruiting some of the top guys that he likes in the national area that didn't play for his team including davidson academy's Cortland simmons and mcgavitt's demetrius bell both of them picked up offers this week so i am really fascinated zach to see how many of these local guys actually land there and uh, follow dilfer to uab i think there's going to be at least a few yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, if a couple of these guys, if they're not FBS level, if they've got an opportunity to fill out the back end of a roster, they're definitely going to take that and play for their high school coach. So I think we'll definitely see some there. Hank Brown is the interesting one. I, you know, obviously they their coach left for Auburn. So you, you kind of thought maybe he was going to decommit anyway. And then now his head coach goes to UAB. And so who knows what's going to happen with him, but maybe that's a good fit for maybe that's a good fit for Hank Brown at the next level. I mean, I don't I don't know how comparable Liberty is to UAB competition wise, but maybe that's a seamless fit for him. And you know, if you, if if Dilfer gets a quarterback, a quarterback that he likes, I mean, and is able to put up some points, I mean, I think he can be very successful at the next level and springboard UAB into into a bigger bigger college offer. It certainly seems like a marriage that that could work out well, but we'll see what Hank Brown decides to do. Uh, lastly, Zach, I know this is something you were really excited about. Anderson County yeah. had a uh, a furry friend go out and re- retrieve the tea after every kickoff. What do you think about that? A furry friend, I, I like that. Yes, I do. Listen, I think this might be a, a first in TWSWA history. A, a dog getting credentialed um, to 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 go onto the field. I, I bet you that probably angered a lot of team moms that reach out wanting field passes. Uh, to see their teams play that instead of a, a mascot got got a field pass before they did but no that was just that was great I mean seeing her run out there get the kicking tees listen I'm, I'm a big fan of dogs I think dogs always make the atmosphere better and so she was obviously a fan favorite pictures galore I saw on social media so that was really really cool that's probably the best thing I saw this week to be honest yeah it was neat and Ella is her name by the way she's got a, a pretty big social media presence so you can certainly find her on Twitter and Instagram if you're she interested follows or... me she followed me back how about that so Zach got a little yeah. bit of love. Uh, yeah that's yeah uh, you were probably yeah. tweeting about her and that's that's great I, so I was I, I like everything that she puts out honestly <laughs> so there you go so if you haven't seen the the Ella from Anderson County content it is all over the website I don't know how you missed it but it's certainly there if you want to check it out that's going to do it for our Blue Cross Bowl recap When we come back after this break, we're going to put a final bow on the 2022 season by sharing a couple memorable games and moments from the year. So stick around. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) You're really good. There aren't any cops around. 
didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? All right, Zach, this is going to do us for the 2022 football season. Let's talk about some of the best games that we saw either in person or online. I know you spent most of your season in the studio helping out with our Friday Night Live weekly show. So you were able to kind of see a wider variety of of games. I ended up in a lot of blowouts for whatever reason. But of all the games that you were following, what was kind of the, the one that stuck out to you as the most memorable? Well, when I saw this, I immediately had three come to mind. Um, like you said, I was in studio, so I was able to kind of surf, you know, a lot of games uh, this season. So I had a really tough time picking. Um, but the the one that I went, the final, was was a regular season game. I went Mount Juliet in White County all the way back on September 16th. If, if fans don't remember, White County had taken a lead late in that football game. Uh, they just White County decides to squib kick it on the ensuing kickoff. Mount Juliet gets a good return. And then one player later, they hit the famous hook and ladder that sets up the game-winning field goal uh, for them. That proved to be a huge region win for them. Uh, Mount Juliet went on to win the region championship. White County, as many of you know, had to go on the road to, I believe it was Nolensville in round one. So I think that win right there may have cost White County a chance to be at home this year. So that game early in the season turned out to be a big one late in the year. Yeah, I was listening to that. Uh, the end of that game on the radio on my drive home from where, whatever game I was at, and I remember being really fired up because I had picked Mount Juliet in that game and I picked before everything. <laughs> yeah. You know? so, yeah, exactly. Uh, Which you won, I by think the, the way. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Humble humble brag here. I did win the Main Street Preps staff-wide pick contest, so I'm proud of that. I'm not not taking any victory laps, but um, I think anybody that saw the picks in the standings all year kind of kind of knew who's, who's picks to, to ride with. So, anyways um, – like I said, Zach, for whatever reason, I ended up with a lot of games that I thought were going to be good, and then for whatever reason, uh, didn't end up being as great. When I was looking looking down my list, I ended up with a lot of lopsided games. But one game that came down to the final possession that really stuck out to me was when Brentwood beat Centennial fifteen to nine on the final night of the regular season, October twenty eighth, uh, and the Region Seven Six A title was up for grabs at that point. Unfortunately for Brentwood, uh, Ravenwood also won. They had the tiebreaker, so they got that first place. Um, uh, spot, but Brentwood was able to get a home playoff game in this win, and they they had to hold on at the very end. Will Adcock broke up a pass, kind of in the final seconds, right in the end zone. It was their fifth and final stop in the red zone uh, for the Brentwood defense. Just came up big all night um, it, w- when it mattered most for them, and uh, really reminded me a lot of this year's Titans, how they was kind of a bend but don't break kind of defense. Um, it was an ugly score, fifteen to nine, but that was kind of how they. Uh, they, their team was built, and it, it ended up being a pretty yeah. successful year for them. They also went on to beat Collierville the next week and then had a competitive loss in the second round of the playoffs. But um, that was the game that, that was kind of the most exciting ending, at least of all the games I saw in person. Yeah, a lot of really good options, I think. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Russell. My bad. No, all good. So let's move on to the best individual performance of the year. I'll start this one, Zach. I think, you know, you speaking of White County a moment ago, Malachi Dowell. Almost any of his games probably could have been the performance of the year, but when he had 34 rushes for 472 yards and seven touchdowns and a 59 to 54 win at Cookville earlier in the year, I mean, I just don't think anything tops that. That was, he carried the team basically to a victory there. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, that's, 
if there's a better if there's a better performance out there, I, I'd love to see it. I, I really would. I really, really would. Um, mine is Eric Taylor, Oakland. I mean, anytime you're the you're the catalyst to bring home a, a gold football, I think you deserve the honors. I mean, a lot of credit goes to his offensive line too. He finished the game, 18 carries, 175 yards, and four touchdowns in their 42 to six win over Beach in the Class 6A title game. But he was getting like five yards a, a tote before he was even touched. But you know, he was also making really good moves out there on the field. He was making good cuts and had really good vision. And so uh, his performance on Saturday was kind of a sight to behold and it was a big reason they brought home that, that gold football and made it kind of a blowout early in the third quarter. Entering that game, I believe Taylor was averaging over 10 yards a carry. So when you're getting a first down or more per carry, uh, that's efficiency right there. Yes, what about, Zach, to close it out here, the biggest surprise to you this season was fill in the blank. Well, for, for me, I, just to kind of come back home, I think Beach, Beach making it to the title game in 6A is a surprise. I go back to my comments with Anthony Crabtree preseason, and he told me that, you know, his, his offensive linemen whether, rather wear skinny jeans, be basketball players than be big boys and, and, and eat and get some meat on their bones. And so anytime you don't have it in the trenches like that, you, you think not a good year. So making it all the way to that state title game was my biggest surprise. Man, Coach Crabtree is just a quote machine, Zach. You need to <laughs> you need to get as much mileage out of that as you as you possibly can. That's awesome. But yeah. uh, my biggest surprise was Paige making it back to the Class Five A title game. Of course, they ended up as the runner up for the second straight year. But for them to get there, I thought was uh, really impressive. It's especially after you know last year seemed like their kind of year of destiny when they had Jake uh, McNamara leading the way. Just he had an incredible playoff run, and uh, you know, it ended up being that Colin Hurd, who played linebacker most of last year, uh, was equally equally as impressive at, at quarterback and was able to make all the throws for them and battled through injuries all year to get them to that game. So uh, hats off to Paige for another good year. Came up short, but uh, they were right there in the mix. So that is going to do us for f- football season. Uh, we're still going to have plenty of football wrap-up content to come, Zach. There's the Mr. Football Awards Wednesday. There's National Signing Day in two weeks. We're going to roll out our all-mid-state football team and the superlative awards, too, uh, soon enough. Uh, But then it's also time for basketball and then a little bit of wrestling and bowling, too. So we're on to winter sports, and uh, we really appreciate everybody following us all year during football season. Absolutely. It's been a fun one, and I'm looking forward to the winter season for sure. And so we're going to continue, too, with Main Street Preps this week. You'll be able to find us here at the same time, same place. And lastly, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. We'll see you here next time on Main Street Preps this week.